Hello, and welcome to the Made to Lead podcast, a show where we tell the personal and professional stories of amazing people of African descent who are leading in their own way. I'm your host, Aziz Garuba, and on each episode, I interview a dynamic individual and discuss their achievements, challenges, dreams, and aspirations, and the lessons they've learned along the way. These candid conversations are meant to showcase their superb talents and leadership philosophies with the hope that inspires you, because you were also made to lead. If you're listening for the first time, I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show. Also visit our website, madetolead.co, for more information about each episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Lula Cosmetics. Putting a full makeup kit together can be expensive and applying can be time-consuming. Lula Cosmetics creates hybrid cosmetics for the time-starved beauty on the go. Each Lula Cosmetics hybrid is designed to multitask, save you time, and help you achieve your desired look on the go. Save 10% of all Lula hybrids today by visiting the website lulacosmetics.com. That's L-O-O-L-A cosmetics.com slash discount slash made to lead. My guest today is Ms. Rumbi Mugwagwa. She's originally from Zimbabwe and is a fixed income associate with the portfolio advisory team at Bank of Montreal, Nesbitt Burns. As the guaranteed uh, investment product expert, she is the principal liaison between issuers and advisors. And she also supports daily trading and provides product advice to the wealth broker channels. Prior to this role, Rumbi was a business team lead in trade management services within the BMO Securities Operations Division, where she managed the processing team and oversaw business automation and change management projects. Rumbi holds a degree in economics from the University of Toronto, and she's also a CFA Level 2 candidate. Welcome to the show, Rumbi. And, um, you know, let's get started with hearing a little bit more about yourself beyond uh, your professional bio. Okay, so a little bit about myself. Um, again, my name is Rumbi. I was actually born and raised in Zimbabwe. I moved here um, right after I finished high school. I came here to start university. And as you've mentioned, I went to UFT. I studied, well, I started off. I was going to study commerce, uh, but I ended up studying economics, um, political science, and African studies. Um, so I did that. And then whilst I was actually doing my undergrad, at the time, my intent had actually to be to do an accounting d- degree somewhat because hmm. I was thinking I'm going to become a chartered accountant because <laughs> nice. my uncles have been chartered accountants. And I had taken accounting at A-level with math as well. So I, my intention actually when I went to U of T was that I would do accounting as a degree. But things didn't go that well. I ended up studying economics, political science, and African studies. Whilst I was at university, um, I had a friend of mine that started working for TD actually at the bank. And, you know, she used to talk about that banking experience. And she would share about, you know, some of the... Um, experiences that she had, the opportunities that she was seeing in the bank, and that really spiked my interest. Um, so by the time I graduated, I was very, very sure that I was going to work in a bank. Mm. Um, I So I, I had done my research, <laughs> and a lot of it, um, and I realized like the bank 
there were so many opportunities within the bank. But it was, I decided to go back to accounting. I wanted to do finance, human resource. It doesn't matter. If once I was in the bank, the banking space could give me whatever I wanted at the time. So I made it my mission to figure out how to get into a bank. Um, so as I mentioned, I was an international student at the time. It was a little bit tricky because when you are um, an international student at the time, in order to get a work permit or to after you graduate, you have to go into a field of your study. Now, lucky for me, I had economics, so I could find my way around that. Um, but my challenge too was that um, I most people were not going to hire me if I wasn't a permanent resident. And the minute they would, you know, get to a point where they know that I'd need a work permit, people would back off. So at the time, what I decided was. Um, what I found out was a lot of agencies downtown used to uh, provide human resource to banks. And agencies at the time, a lot of the work, of course, would mean that it would be sort of temporary contract work. I was okay with that as long as I got in. So right by the time I graduated, I was already uh, starting to work through agencies, getting a few jobs here and there. Um, and that was actually enough for me to apply for my very first major <laughs> job, which was like four months after I graduated, and that was with Scotia Capital. Uh, it was a contract job, and it was working on a trading floor documenting all their trading accounts. Um, it was my introduction to the capital market side. It was a very, it was a pretty straightforward job, but there was a lot to learn because um, we were dealing with regulatory requirements. Uh, we had to make sure that we were documenting. This time of KYC was still something um, that was really sort of coming into um, the banking system. Like it was becoming a very solid requirement. And it was in 2007. And as you know, 2008. Ooh. <laughs> but it was a great time because um, it's... I was part of the compliance part, and uh, we had to learn the structure of companies and how to document them and the requirements that are, you know, that regulatory requirements that were required depending on the structure of your company. So I got to learn a lot about all kinds of companies and their structures so I could document them properly. Um, I got to learn a lot about regulations, uh, both here in Canada and in the U.S., um, but it was just a... As crazy as it got, it was a really exciting time to be on on the trading floor. Um, and the space was great. I enjoyed it. But unfortunately, that job, I was on a year contract with Scotia Capital. And as soon as the market crashed, the opportunity just sort of disappeared. With my, oh, We wow. got our full year, which was great. Um, so right after that, because of actually that experience and what was going on in the market, the compliance field became AML and all the stuff to do with compliance became a really big thing because all of a sudden all these issues about regulations were you properly documented. You know, when you think about um, uh, a lot of these like, oh, were you a sophisticated investor? Were you not a sophisticated? All these losses that were coming up, hmm. it was coming down to when you had your account, how did you you know, suitability determination was something that I think people had been lackluster about. And then at that time now, everyone's running around saying, did we, did they actually show that they were, they knew what they were doing or they didn't? So 
it became an area that actually a lot of opportunities opened up. And as soon as I probably went for about a month unemployed mm. and then BMO had a, a project of its own where uh, that had to do with AML as well. So I got scooped up for that. Nice. Um, so you were one of the lucky few that during was, that crazy time, you know what? Still could get a job in, in capital markets. I was a, a month, like, but at this time it wasn't it wasn't capital markets. It was enterprise, it right. was Demo Enterprise, and they had again had this huge project, and a lot of us got sort of like hired at the time. But I quickly identified that there was this was a place, you know. That was compliance was not my intention, but I was like, you know what, there's opportunity here. I'm going to go for it. So I got into this BMO thing, um, and a group of us were doing AML stuff again. And uh, it, it, it was through an agency, but they quickly put us on contract off the agency onto BMO. Um, so I was there for about a year, almost a year. Again, the project slowed down. And it was time to go again. Mm. Uh, so I was back again at the agency. And within a month, I got scooped up again on the operations side. And um, this was still within BMO as well? It was well. within BMO. But okay. when the project ended, I immediately just went back to the agencies. Mm. Like I said, I had already figured that if I, it, it was it was a faster process than, you know, posting your job online at the time. If you like the whole going into you know a website a banking website submitting your res resume for it waiting for an interview mm. i didn't feel like once i figured you know even if i just get a job for a year once i'm in there i can apply for jobs mm. that was my new way of getting a job nice. so i just called up the same people that i that had always provided me with a job i said i'm back um and they were able to place me within again a month i was placed and this time it was the operation side. Um, and the reason why, and they had a number of assignments they offered me. So the reason why I picked that particular um, assignment was I had at that point in time decided that I wanted to go back into capital markets. Right. But I realized that, you know, when you look at the roles that capital markets typically have, you're either being recruited right out of university, you know, you know the recruitment process for capital markets. And I realized I didn't, it was going to be very difficult for me to go that way. But what I found out is that, of course, the operations site supports capital markets. And I figured if I go, cap, if I go to the operations, I might get to know some people in capital mm. markets. Nice. And then over time, you know, I could develop relationships that hopefully at some point when I'm ready, I can leverage to sort of find opportunities in capital markets. Mm. So when I accepted that, I don't think it was probably the best of the list, but it was more strategic move. Hmm. I was like, this is where I'm trying to go, so this is what's going to get me there. That's what I'm going to take. And I took this operations job, um, and I worked in operations with the same team pretty much. I moved somewhere in the, in the years that I was there. I did move to another team, but I stayed with them for about, I would say, maybe five to six years. Um, and in that role, I got to do all kinds of things. I learned it was a lot of processing, but I learned a lot about you know the settlement side of the business. Uh, I learned a lot about securities. Um, it gave me an opportunity to study. Then I started getting on closer to the time before I actually moved to my current job. I got an opportunity to be on um, 
an automation project as a business lead for the automation project. That was a that was actually really big because uh, that was a big step into being responsible for right. big things. Right. Right. Um, but I I think I handled it well, and through that at the time it opened up so many opportunities. I got to really understand processes, how to change manage you know change management. I got a lot into change management. I got a lot into automation automation at the time. I actually started picking up a, a few more sort of like uh, leadership opportunities that would come up. I was a uh, committee, I was a co-chair of an employee committee at the time. Um, and then once the project was done, I was off, I was offered the role to be a team lead for the team that I was part of. Oh, that's amazing. And at that time now, my head had shifted into, okay, you know, this is getting good. Things are going well. So maybe I should be looking, because my mind had been about going to the capital markets, like to go into the front office, as they call it. Right. So, but then when I started to see that there might be opportunities, especially leadership opportunities, I started thinking about, okay, well, how do I position myself to move up into more leadership roles within the operations? And it's funny because as soon as I was getting comfortable with that, then my current op- position opened up. Oh, wow. <laughs> And, um, yeah, and, and it opened up. Um, I had worked with the guys that I now work with for a long t- for a while because I used to back them up mm-hmm. on the operations side. And um, the guy that I used to work with, who's a f- good friend, he was like, I'm leaving. And I think, you know, given your experience, extensive knowledge and experience with this, I'm going to recommend you. Uh, but it's all up to you to see how you can work it. Right. And that's pretty much what happened. I the, the opportunity came up. I went for it, and I got it. <laughs> that is so. That, that is brought fantastic. me to front office. That that's how fantastic. I ended up in front office. So, so let's let's recap. Right, <laughs> you, you started in political science yes. and and economics. Yes. Luckily, you did the economics piece. Yes. Graduated during the the height of the financial crisis. Yes. Very few people are getting jobs in the financial services space within capital markets specifically. Yes. And somehow, and, and again, you know, you're unique because you're an international student, yes. right? With, you know, just trying to get the work permit situation. Yeah. And you find a way to navigate the system, really, yes. right? Into temporary jobs yes. that place you in the, in the exact industry Absolutely. that you want to be in. Uh, and then you weasel your way in, you know, over the past. <laughs> front office. What is it like over the past ten years it's or been so? A ten, it's ten years, yeah. yeah. And I found my way back to the place that I wanted to be in the first place. That's amazing. Granted, it's not capital markets per se, but like the work we do, we is as good. You yeah. Know, like we we support real wealth management, so we're supporting investment advisors. I work on the retail trading, retail bond desk. Um, and I look after the GIC business, which is what I got into through operations, mm-hmm. and I got so good at. But it got me where I needed to be and where I wanted to be. So um, I, I, I want to emphasize the fact that, like, it's funny because yes, I intended to do accounting. I ended up doing economics and political science. But the skill sets that I got from all those essays, the analytical skills, and you know, the the ability to read through so much and get the precise information that you need in, in a short given time has benefited me a lot from mm. all my roles. Like I can, you know, 
whether it's an email, it's, it's a given set of data and information. I need to get information and be able to communicate that to people. Part of that came from doing political science and African studies where you know, you've got vast amounts of research that you have to do right. and you have to formulate some kind of argument or, you know, and I, I don't know if I would have been as effective at some of the things that I've had to do if it wasn't for that experience. I, I would have just been, you know, a business person doing accounting. Right, right. <laughs> but that forced me to like develop really strong writing skills as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it actually put me on a different path from the people that I found myself having to quote unquote compete with mm-hmm. because I offered a set of skills that um, the, 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 the technical side came easy. It wasn't difficult. I like, I've always been pretty much, I guess, to some degree, mathematical. Um, but I think what those set, like the, the political science and African studies gave me was an ability to analyze various angles of things. Um, and so in, in any given space, I can process information that I, I, I have to say I credit to being forced to, to take up this that's that the the I'll call it arts. That's how they help me um, to be able to stand out in a way. Yeah. So you raised some interesting points, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, some very interesting observations, right? Yeah. So there's there's you know we're going to talk about the the subject of diversity. Yeah. Um, and for you and your career journey, right? There's clearly a diversity component in the fact that you weren't the typical finance student that goes does the internship um you know in the summer uh and then graduates and then gets into uh into into a bank or yeah. into into capital markets as an industry uh, so you and you mentioned you you brought in diverse skill sets uh based on your political science and economics background um and, and yeah you you talked about how that made you a better analyst per se, right? Because you're able to see things differently. Um, and, and, you know, when, when we're looking at the, the environment right now on Bay Street, yeah. that's what everyone's looking for, diversity, yeah. not just from a uh, from a, a visible perspective, but also from this school of thought, which yeah. is something that I think you've, you've been able to bring in. Yeah. And how, so on that note, your journey on, on, on Bay Street as a whole, as a black woman, yeah. right? How has that experience been uh, for you personally, and what have you seen um, uh, that uh, that you know that that gives you some some you know pause for concern mm-hmm. or some hope yeah. you know in terms of of getting more black women Absolutely. on Bay Street? Um, okay, so I'll I'll say this: it's been it's it's been I'll say interesting. Um, it's it's been interesting because. I think the challenges that I've faced versus some of the pe- my peers have actually made me um, a better candidate for some of the positions that I've had to take. Um, it, some of the challenges force me to build a temperament that actually has helped me a lot now in my current job. Mm. Um, as a woman, um, I'll tell you like some of the things that I've um, I, and, and I'll say this a lot of. A lot of the microaggressions that you might get, and those are the things that, like, you know, they the compound the stress that you experience in a regular job. Um, 
I think for most part, people are not even conscious of their own microaggressions or their preconceived notions because you are, you know, you're a woman or you are like some of them is you're African and you're black. Um, they are, a lot of people are unconscious of them and it makes it very, very much difficult to address in situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I've often dealt with them within myself is just to say, you know, this, whatever is happening now to me is preparing me for the next level of things that I need to do. I'm going to meet, as a woman, whether I'm in Toronto or Harare, you know, the, the microaggressions of being a woman or the, the things that I'm going to deal with, they might vary in that maybe in one, my color is not an issue, but these are things I was going to deal with wherever I am. And I've probably been dealing since I was a girl, like a little girl. Right. So um, I got to a place where I, I used to look, I've learned to look at these challenges as they are preparing me for where I'm going to go because wherever you're going to go, there's going to be a set of challenges. So uh, I'll, I'll say this, from a temperament perspective, I had to learn to be patient. I had to learn to tackle pe- like some of the overt things that I felt were, okay, now you know that felt racist or felt sexist. I learned to tackle them from an intellectual perspective mm. rather than just be direct with you and tell you, are you saying this because mm-hmm. you think I'm a woman? I'm not going to be able to do it. It actually made me challenge them on the intellectual basis of that which they were saying I could not do, right? So um, then what would happen there is I would leave room for somebody to be able to learn, to see it in themselves that what they just did, what they just said doesn't doesn't make sense. Right. So <laughs> which in a lot of cases... When people act out of these things, it's it, it really what leaves you sort of it's like that does not make any sense. Right. So, right? You, so you gave them some education. I gave them education to understand I, the error I, of their I did. ways. And I often, even inside of me, when I felt that this you're being sexist, I would challenge you on the basis of that which you're challenging my knowledge. Which mm. is if you're if you think I can't figure out how to use a system and give you the breakdown of what is happening behind it. I'm going to challenge you on that thought. But I know that where it's coming from, and you're probably not conscious of it. Mm -hmm. So in that way, I think it might be, sometimes it might be like, okay, you're trying not to ruffle any feathers. But then I would always find a moment in which with that person, there's a way you sneak in these little things, right? Um, Where, you know, if it's about their perspective of Africans, and it's easy for me. Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you know that? I don't know. I learned it when I was at home. How come you didn't know that until you got to university? You know, <laughs> that kind of opportunity where it's like, oh, yeah, we did that in high school. You don't know that word? How can you not know that word? It's, it was part of university or high school, right? Um, so I learned how to tackle those things by calling out these sort of, from an intellectual perspective, rather than just direct, oh, why are you saying this? And it, it makes it very hard for someone because sometimes people expect you to say the reason why we're having this disagreement is, are you going to start saying that, oh, because you're black? Because hmm. people do. You can see it in their faces sometimes that if you come to an impasse about something and you're disagreeing or they're calling out something, it's almost like they're 
they're trying to manage the fact that they don't want to look racist, <laughs> which is great sometimes because then it's like, okay, I know what you think I'm going to say, but I'm going to not go there. And so you're going to stay in that state, but we're going to keep going where we need to go. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. I guess they call it emotional intelligence. Right? Yeah. Like, so you always, as I think as a woman and as a black person, the things you must know is that your level of emotional intelligence is very high because you've had to exist in a society that you know what they think even when oh how they're behaving and what it's doing to you so you always are in a position to decide how you're going to deal with it whereas people are just going by on so you are always like two three steps ahead right and it's i think i've gotten good at it <laughs> Playing that That's game, amazing. which is I know what you want me to do about this. You want me to get angry, but I'm not going to get angry. Um, but I'm I'm not not going to express the fact that what you're doing is either disrespectful or doesn't make any sense. Mm. It's not about denying what you feel, but it's about saying, but I'm not going to give you what you want from me, which is you know sometimes they provoking you to, mm. to get a reaction. And have you seen, um, you know, in your journey on Bay Street, like what have you seen in terms of the atmosphere that that the firms, mm -hmm. you know, the institutions on Bay Street uh, are doing to create a more inclusive environment, you know, for women first, and then mm -hmm. for those that have the intersectionality, um, you know, of like yourself being a black woman yeah. uh, on Bay Street? I've, I, I mean... Having been in the industry for about 10 years, I think right now is probably the time that I've seen sort of this push, this huge push of, of diversity. Um, but I was, I, I, there's a lot to tackle about this idea of diversity because a lot of the things that get in the way of, let's say, people being hired are perceptions that are built into the fabric of people's thoughts. And you can, you know, you can try, yes, I think it's a great idea to kind of have internal policies that do this but the challenge too is to challenge those thoughts so right now it's a, we you must have let's just say from a women's perspective oh boards don't have enough women on them right we should have four women but it doesn't challenge the thought process of why somebody would not hire a woman mm. they don't hire women because they think women don't know and so how, how are institutions challenging that thought? Rather they say it's a diverse, you, you're bringing in diverse thoughts. No, I am smart, and yes, I can bring a different perspective. So the challenge that organizations have is they're not actually first addressing the issue at hand, which is first, organizations for a long time have had people who believe that women can't do certain jobs, mm -hmm. right? So, which is, has been prevalent in, in, right. in capital markets then, specifically exactly. for a while. Yeah. And when you think about the fact that when you, are want, when you want to be on the board, there's certain experiences that you need to have. And if you look at those experiences, now you're going down the chain. How, I, how can I be on a board if these and these and these positions, I've been told no or somebody didn't hire me for them? Right. Right. So, of course, they're going to say, they're not enough qualified women. Well, because the experiences that I've needed, I've been shut out completely. Mm. So it, it it's not just about being on the board. Yes, I think board is necessary so you can influence the policies, but it's about saying this problem has existed right to the bottom. Interestingly, the bottom of a bank, when you look, if you were to look at it the, the, as, as a sort of like, I guess, the a pyramid, pyramid yeah. it's full of women. 
women do the bulk of the paperwork, the, 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 the jobs at the bottom are full of women. Mm. But somehow by the time you get to the top, they're no women mm. anymore. And even less black women. Even the less black women. Less people less, of color yeah, in they, 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 By the time you get up there, and the question, you've got to ask the question, like how do we start off with so many women and then end with very few? Mm. Um, so for, for institutions, I would say is they have to do more than just say we're going to have a quota, so to speak. It's challenging some of these perspectives that think that, you know, in technology it makes more sense to, you know, this is the way we should go and just say women should be reserving two positions for women. Mm. No, it's look at the criteria of how you're hiring people, you know. What is what does that hiring process look like? You know, where are women being dropped off? Right? Where where Let's let's take for instance a lot of jobs in the bank are about who you know, mm-hmm. and that means who you know is probably someone you go out to have drinks with. How many men in certain positions are going out for drinks with women right. to get to know them better? Right, that doesn't happen. And I like it's it's a human thing. You are likely to pick someone you want to work with because you like them or you get along with them in some way, mm-hmm. and where most of these things happen is not when we're day-to-day up behind our computers, is when it's like, okay, let's sit together and have lunch or let's go have a cup of tea or whatever it is. And how many people do that after work, right? That's true. How many people do that to get to know what Aziz wants to do? You know, are you asking Carrie after work, let's go get, let's go grab some drinks. I want to know what you want to do with your life. No, because... It's just not how people interact in that right, way. Right, yeah. very interesting, very interesting. So let's switch gears for a minute, right? Sure. Um, mentorship, yes. right, on your journey uh, yeah. in, you know, in your career. Um, do you have any key mentors or people that have sort of influenced who you are, you know, as a person? Yes. And also people that have uh, mentored you from a career perspective or people that have done both, you know? Right. Uh, influence your beliefs and and your approach to to your career on Bay Street. Yeah. Okay. So I, I will start with the typical that people would say, like you know, your family, your parents, your family. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put that aside because that's supposed to be standard, yeah. right? Um, but I'm gonna take maybe I'll take my older brother and say that my older brother has been he's though he's my brother he's been a big mentor in that. Um, any sort of decision that I've had to make from whether this job is something, you know, like he he has a good sense of where I'm trying to go and he has a good sense of the person that I am to, to say this doesn't challenge you enough, this challenges you enough, or even down to like thinking about salary, bonuses, whatever pertains to that, my older brother has, has been a like a, a guide and, and somebody that I go to and a mentor as well. Um, so he's been a big a big factor of that. And he's not somebody who just gives me things. Like he, he really challenges me and he's not afraid to call me out and say, oh, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, don't, don't go for that. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't fit in. If you're trying to go here, no. I, well, I wouldn't do it. And that's usually enough. Um, but now speaking from, I've had life mentors that are also career mentors. And 
I'll, I'll speak to maybe, I'll speak to one in particular because when I was in operations, she became a really, she became firstly a sponsor of mine before she became a mentor, if that makes sense. And, and that's really important. Yeah. Because so uh, a lot of people don't necessarily know the difference yes. uh, or recognize the significance of having a sponsor uh, yes. can sometimes be more important uh, than just a than mentor. Than just a mentor. Yeah. So she became a... So it's interesting because she was a, she was my manager, but she became a sponsor before I even knew she was she was being my sponsor, and before I even understood this mentorship thing. Um, when I went into operations, I was still you know a pretty young person. I was coming two years out of university. I was trying to figure out this big space that I was in. But one thing about her, I think she quickly recognized that I I was very capable. However, she picked that up um, maybe from the work and um, she could see that I there were things that I could do that maybe I hadn't recognized yet. So it started with her just perhaps on occasion assigning things to me that I didn't sometimes, because usually managers know, they know what people are capable of doing. And then it came down to her being able to speak for me in rooms that I can speak. So if there was an opportunity that came up, the only thing I would know is I'm being asked to do it. I don't know where it's came, where it came from, right. but I'm being asked to do it. And so that also built a relationship where I could trust that whatever she's putting in front of me, because I could see that when I, ex- when I, when I did what she asked me to do, there was progression in the level of responsibility that mm. was coming. Um, so she was the first one. I would say she threw me into the deep end sometimes. Like she was the type of person who could be as time went on, and I guess she also started to trust that she could entrust me with these things. She was a, she could be like, there's this meeting, this is the package for this meeting, you're going to go. <laughs> she, she could do that, especially when we, were, when we were getting to a space of projects and, you know, there's a lot of requirements that are needed. They need to understand what our business is and how we, this is going to impact us. And she has this, you know, requirements package for this application that's coming. And she's like, I, uh, yeah, there's a meeting tomorrow. I told them to add you on it. Here, go figure out what they need. And that kind of stuff would force me to, because there were times you get so comfortable where you are, you know, everything, you know what to do. And I just throw it then. I'm like, okay, I have to know. I can't get to a meeting without knowing what's going on. Right. And... That was, again, she would have been the person to say, this person's going to do it. And that's a, to me, that was the first time that I had someone who could speak for me in rooms that I couldn't. So I could actually get this project. Right. Um, and that actually helped me diversify my skills. And then, so there was her. And then she eventually became a mentor. So now we had gotten to a place where it's like, with, I am trying to do this for myself. Um, I'm studying, I'm da-da-da-da-da, you know, what do you think about A, B, C, and D? And she would definitely provide that. Or she would jump in in various situations and advise me or direct me whichever way to go. Um, And the thing about that too is I think because I lived here by myself, my family's not here, in some ways a bit of life, coaching got involved um, because 
I, I don't I don't know if you can just be mentored career wise without a bit of life. Life at the same time. Yeah, That's because true. like you, you your career is part of your life. So you can you can be guided for all these positions, but if it doesn't fit your overall life goals, your overall life, whatever's going on in your life, what good is your career if it doesn't if it's not get you get you where you need to go, right? For your life, not just for your career. So with that she as someone who had, who is an industry veteran <laughs> she she was like you've got to get these things in order because if you don't have these things in order this is not going to work out so she was yeah she was great for that i also had um i think what also made my life easier is that my manager my senior manager my vp in operations were all women <laughs> wow yeah they were all women yeah that's good that's they were good. all women so, but then that also came with they they had certain expectations for me because they know they know what it's like. So they were willing to, like I said, they were willing to throw me in the deep end mm. and let me swim because they knew that was the only way. It was they they knew it was vicious out there. So yeah. um, they were willing to do that for me, um, not just give it to me. I had to earn it. But like I said, some of them were sponsors, became sponsors in spaces that I couldn't be in. Some of them literally would sit down and say, I went to this event and I just want to, I wrote some notes here. You might want to, you know, use them mm. and give them to Nick. Somebody would go. I remember my senior manager at the time, she went to some leadership, women leadership on the street and she wrote notes down. And she came, she took me into the boardroom. At the time, actually, I hadn't become permanent yet. I was contract and they were still trying to see where they could find a place for me. Mm. And she's like, Hey, I was just thinking about you. I know you do some of these things. I actually wrote all these notes and I wanted to share them with you and just get an idea. You know, I think these things are good for you. Da, 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 da. She sat down. We went point by point discussing it. And that was, you know, that was uh, that was great. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and, and I think that, again, that raises another interesting point. Mm-hmm. Seeing people that look like you mm-hmm. in positions yes. uh, of leadership yeah. uh, being able to motivate you to continue to, to press right. on or to move up. I mean, having three levels of yes. leadership above you that are women uh, can certainly be a good inspiration it, yes. uh, 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 for you to continue on, on the path that you're on. Yeah, And, I, and I'll, I'll also add that it doesn't always mean that your path is made. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to produce. I had to produce. Um, I, quick, I, I knew that, again... So sometimes, yes, we can be all women, but I'm also black. So right. I, if I was going to have this sort of support, I had to make sure that there was reason, solid reason. I had to produce. <laughs> you have to produce. Yeah. Which is something I quickly learned. Um, you've got to be smart about where you, you produce. I, I learned very quickly that if I, have, if I jump onto things that have an end within the year there's an end to it and I can make claim on it on my reviews that gets me slowly to where I need to be so picking it didn't matter how small I I I was not one of those people who felt too big for certain things I learned that if I can say that I have a result I started here and I have a result and I can sit there and people can say I started and I finished it and I produced something of material away from my regular job, which we expected to do, 
then I earn little, it's like points that you earn. So picking up little projects that, that can seem so simple, like it could be, you know, we need someone to figure out what we should do about getting rid of printers. You know, it's not simple, but like you could, you could, that's a project. Right. And for some people it's like, oh, printers, like what has that got to do with my job? But if somebody jumps on that, guess what? Their name to all those managers that you have to go talk to about their use of printers, um, how much paper they use, they now know your name. Mm. They're going to know there's someone named so-and-so that's doing a project to get rid of. Some of them may not like that you want to get rid of their printer, but they know that you are someone who exists within the floor, right. whatever it is. So right. um, I had to produce for, for those people to, to still be able to continuously call on me or to assign things for me. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the future for a bit, right? <laughs> uh, what's your, uh, what does your future look like? What's your vision for that? <laughs> well, I think um, my experience now in wealth management and my exposure now to this, there's so much information that I, I have literally at the tips of my fingers. And whether it's, you know, knowledge about what's, what's happening in the bond market, what's happening in equities, um, you know, whatever products that exist, what it's illuminated to me now is that one, there's not enough participation in that world mm. by black people or by women. And when I say in that world, I mean both on the people making the money and both on the career side of things. Mm. Um, so I, right now, I'm using this time where I am to challenge myself by learning as much as I possibly can. Um, but my hope is that in the future that I will work towards um, sort of encouraging people, working with women to make them comfortable in the world of capital markets right. or in the personal world. They need to get comfortable with that. Um, so whether it's as a client um, or as people who work in that field, they have to get comfortable with that. Um, and also to get women in the careers, in careers that are in the investment world too. So the future looks like Maybe, I mean, it probably means more leadership roles within wealth management and hopefully to be able to influence these sort of things. Like how do we drive, you know, what keeps asking questions like why aren't we getting enough participation from women? You know, women save probably just as much or more than men. But why is it that the men are making most of these decisions or men run most of the, you know, whether it's accounts or the household accounts, the investments, why? Is it because women are afraid of it, but why are they afraid of it? So leadership, more leadership roles to be able to influence some of these sort of things that need to exist in this world. Um, I'll definitely be mentoring more. Um, I try to, I mentor any opportunity. Anyone that wants to be mentored, I will mentor. Um, but hopefully have more programs that are more structured towards actually incur, like bringing more people into women and black women specifically into that world. So as we wrap up, um, three things yes. that you would tell a young black woman or young black girl looking to get into this space, right. uh, what are some uh, three pieces of advice that you would give to that person? Um, number one, what you are is already enough. 
what you are is for you to get to a place where um, if, if you've already got an undergrad, I don't, it doesn't matter what you studied, you already have enough. Even if you go to college, you already have enough. You just have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to teach yourself and to learn. Those, if you can teach yourself, if you can learn, you can learn anything that would get you in the back. <laughs> anything. You want to learn stocks? Sure, teach yourself. Now you even have YouTube videos. But you're already enough. Whatever you are, you've been navigating a world that has always felt like you know resistant to your success. You've already learned the skill sets to, to overcome those things. And you can use them in a way that's not about overcoming those things, but about moving forward for your own career that are problem-solving. You problem-solve all the time. Um, you start and finish projects all the time. You know, you already are enough. It's just a matter of what products do you want to learn about? Which part of the bank do you want to be in? That's it. But you're already enough. Cool. Yeah. Two others? Um, the, the second thing is I would say learn to be flexible. Learn to be very flexible. And by that I mean don't be you know, one path minded. There are, very, there are many ways to get to where you need to get. Just don't lose focus on where you're trying to go. Um, I, I've had to, as I, you've heard from my story, I've taken paths. Um, but because I knew where I was trying to go, if I felt that the path, that path took me there. And sometimes it meant, you know, not getting a salary bump, not applying for outside jobs, by the way. Um, it was, I'm here, I'm building networks. Um, for now, I can, you know, maybe sacrifice a bit of a salary bump to make sure that I move sideways to position myself to where I need to go. So just know that there's no one way of doing things. There's, there's another way. The last thing I'll say is read, read, research, become resourceful. Those things will always, always reward you. You know, if you read, you become resourceful, do your own research. You can never fail in this world. Knowledge, knowledge is everything, but it's only powerful if you put it to use. Yeah, that's it. Amazing. Very Thanks. good. Just before we go, <laughs> yes. uh, so we've got this thing that we call a rapid fire. Oh, no. Right? So I'm going to ask you like okay. 10, ten okay. random questions and you got to answer very, very quickly. Okay. Okay. See. All right. So the first one, favorite movie. Ooh, shoot. I'm not. A <laughs> you can pass. I'm not. Um, gosh, no one asked me about one movie. <laughs> 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 I'm having a black moment. We'll pass on that. Okay, one. okay, we'll come back to it. Favorite Disney character? But why? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Simba. Excellent. It just rolled off my tongue, but Simba, let's do Simba. Favorite city in the world? Toronto. I love Toronto. I'm sorry. I just love Toronto. Very nice. Yes. Dark or milk chocolate? Milk. How long does it take you to get ready? Don't ask me that. <laughs> um, to be honest, when I'm focused, it's for 20 minutes. Okay. Yes. Uh, a book that you're currently reading? A book I'm currently reading. I just finished The, art, the Subtle Art of Not Giving. So, yes, yes. Yes. Very good book, by the Very way. Very great. Very book. good book. Yeah. Book clubs are great. They force me to read. That's so, true. Yeah. That's true. Um, at what age do you want to retire? I don't want to retire, like, I, because 
every work that I'm going to do, I'm going to love doing it. So it doesn't feel like work. Awesome. So I, I, I don't, I don't know what retirement is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, superpower that you wish you had. Ooh. What if I already feel like I got my superpower? Well, you, you might just be superwoman already. <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm. No. Um. Wow. I want to be like Phoenix. Just like. Well, that, that that's a volatile, volatile power. Oh, but you have to be able to control it, right? Yes, and that's awesome. something I'm really good at. <laughs> I like control. that. That's I'm good. I'm Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> Phoenix. I think she really just capture. I don't want to just be able to fly. Yeah. What am I going to do? Just fly? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Phoenix. That is the first time I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right. And last one: Princess Jasmine or Cinderella? Jasmine. Awesome. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't even flinch. Yes. <laughs> I wonder why I didn't even flinch. Well. Um, subconscious. You don't. We don't need any explanation. Yeah. No. For no. That. I, <laughs> For sure, Jasmine. Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, Rumbi, thank you very much thank for you. this. Uh, I'm sure people are going to love hearing your story, and I hope <laughs> you enjoy this experience. I hope so. I hope so. It was and fun. Yeah, and we hope to see you uh, again, and we'll be watching your career and supporting you all the way. Thank you. Awesome. It was nice. It was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Made to Lead. If you enjoyed what you heard, Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please share with others. Also take a moment to leave a review as well. This helps us improve and also gets us discovered by others. You can also support by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show. And by visiting our website, madetolead.co. If you would like to be featured or know an amazing person of African descent whose story would be inspirational to others, I'd love to hear from you. Visit our website at madetolead.co slash getfeatured and send us a note. As you continue on your own leadership journey, remember that if you don't spread your wings, you'll never know how high or how far you can fly. So stretch your feathers because you were made to lead. Mm-hmm.